Hello, and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart. In this episode, we're talking with Todd Mitchell. Todd is a founder of Altola, but before that was a Sitecore employee and was quite influential in the architecture of the current analytics platform, including the uh, experience profile as well as uh, XConnect. And we'll get into a little bit of his history with that in this conversation. Uh, before that, I just want to mention I will be at Symposium in October. Uh, it's coming up rather quickly uh hope to see you there uh if you do see me say hi uh come collect a uh, core sampler sticker i'll i'll have a bunch of them on me hopefully so without further ado please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with todd mitchell todd welcome to core sampler hey thanks derek so you and i have been trying to connect for oh man it's been quite a while now um and you, uh, you, you have an interesting background when it comes to Sitecore. I don't know if, if folks kind of aren't aware of, of you and, and what your role was at Sitecore. Um, maybe you could fill, fill folks in. Yeah, sure. Um, so are you asking how I started with Sitecore or just my role? Yeah, like, just, yeah. yeah just your, your, I mean, so that, that's part of it. You used to, you, you used to be an employee of Sitecore. Um, so yeah, maybe kind of how you came to be, uh, employed at Sitecore and kind of what your role was there. Yeah. So I was, uh, working for a customer, um, uh, and, uh, I was the architect and of our web presence at that customer. And, uh, we had, uh, purchased Sitecore. Uh, previous to that, we, um, we had our arms twisted to do a, a project, uh, <laughs> um, a members portal and public website on SharePoint, which, uh, led to a few early gray hairs. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, uh, the company, uh, new management came in and, uh, they, they bought Sitecore and I pitched for a position to do, uh, take on the architect role. Um, which meant, uh, my focus was Sitecore implementation and integration back into, into all the backend systems and rebuild all the member portals and all of those things you do. And, um, I recall uh, opening the platform, um, opening the web config in the platform when I first got it and seeing it was like some crazy uh, thousands of lines of code or configuration. And I thought, wow, okay, that's a lot. And so as I dug deeper into it, I I, I distinctly recall um, that moment at my desk when I realized you could replace any part of this platform. It's pretty well componentized in uh, in the CMS area. Wow, that's a, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I had that exact same and a very similar thing is when you get into it and if you kind of understand how ASP.NET applications work, and this is, you know, for the non-technical folks, that the, the Sitecore itself is, is so componentized and so, um, it's almost documented how these components all work together. Um, that it's really not, uh, you know, for, for someone that's familiar with .NET and ASP.NET, it, it, it's really not that big a stretch to kind of understand how this thing works internally. So yeah, I, I had a very similar experience. Yeah, definitely from the, from the CMS standpoint. Um, and then that's what I was uh, looking at at the point when we, when we bought the platform. Um, so, um, that got me pretty excited. Um, just having a natural desire to want to take things apart and change things around, you know, this mentality that we have a bit further into our project. We, uh, we took a course on, on what at that point was the OMS. And I recall, uh, that course quite uh, distinctly as well, because we, 
we looked at what the OMS does, the, the database structure and uh, the APIs there, and, and that was really deeply integrated into the CMS. Um, and several ideas just started popping into my mind around OMS itself. Sure, um, sure. Um, around so for, the fact for, that for folks yeah. that may not have been around Sycor long enough, OMS was kind of, and we'll get to this. OMS was, uh, I think it was online marketing system, online marketing remember. suite or something like that. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, recall yeah. the exact was, name. That was, was the, the one of the, the the first iterations at analytics within yeah. Sycor. So. I think actually Lars has given us an answer here. What is it, Lars? Online marketing suite was the name of it. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> so real time follow up from uh, from the audience. <laughs> yeah. So. um so I took a class on that and looked at the APIs and 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 saw they um how do I put it um, succinctly uh, they needed some work from the from the analytics side right they were really deeply integrated into the CMS and uh, they had quite a bit of data but it was hard as a developer to get to any of it and begin to explore what you could do with that um so uh, right at that point we took the OMS course or I took the OMS course we upgraded to six. Four, which or six five, one of those two, which introduced DMS, mm-hmm. um, and it, it still had the same thing. It was an upgrade, but it still had the same sort of like uh, really built into the platform. Um, but but from that point, beginning to look at all the data points inside the platform itself, I had quite a few ideas just start popping into my head um, in terms of look at all this data, but you can't get to it. Well, at the company I was working for at that time, um, um, that company did a, a lot of contract negotiation with uh, pharmaceutical companies and with healthcare, healthcare companies and healthcare suppliers. And they had a big members portal uh, where we had to do like this very complex sort of security system where it's um, jurisdictional security saying that people, you know, at a higher level in a tree could, could see more data, but the lower, lower you got uh, the less data you could see, but that integrated deep into the catalog. Um, mm-hmm. So we had to integrate that into Sitecore. And one of the products um, I'd also built was this, security system that allowed you to manage and see this full view of the individuals um, um, and everything they had access to in the platform. So um, for me, that was sort of tying the, the dots between this security system we had, the catalog, um, the analytics, the behaviors of the users on the platform, what they were actually looking at and what they were actually um, acting on, and the CMS and its content. You've got this sort of like blend of all these different concerns. Uh, and from there, this idea popped in my head to build this one view what's one profile of the individuals on the, of the customers on the platform interestingly enough led to um what's now the x file uh or the okay. experience the experience profile so i remember this con- recall this conversation i had with uh alex shiba he was uh, the solution architect i was working with at, at uh at that company and after seeing the configuration and, and seeing all the opportunity in the platform um in, in terms of um the, the data available um, I told him, I said, you know, I really want to, uh, I really want to work with Sitecore. We're walking to lunch and I, I tell him this, he's, he's visiting, he's on, he's on site. And I said, and you know, I, I really, uh, I really want to live in Australia for some time. And his, his, uh, his, uh, <laughs> his Ukrainian accent, which I'm not going to try to, to, to replicate. He just says in this very, uh, succinct way, I know a guy. Yeah. And so he put me in contact with a guy running Australia, Sitecore Australia. And, um, I went to visit Australia, did an interview, and a few months later, I was on a plane moving to Australia, working as a solution architect. So that's how I started at Sitecore. It was actually, I moved to the other hemisphere. And, um, and I recall just anecdotally um, giving um, the guy I was working with at the time, giving him my, my resignation. And he said, oh, well, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to work for Sitecore. And 
obviously this is a very touchy thing for for you know for it to look like Sitecore is is um, taking the employees of partners, but in this case it was me reaching out. Um, and I'm not saying that in terms of protecting anyone. That's really actually what happened. Sure. And 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 it was kind of a strange thing because he he got frustrated at, at a moment, and I looked at him. I said, "Dude, I'm leaving the hemisphere." It's not like I'm going down the street, you know. Yeah. It's time yeah. for me to do something else. So um, anyway, that all turned out really quite well. So uh, you 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 go to work for Sycor in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it sounds like part of initially part of uh, professional services. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So then, I kind of what was the genesis um, to to move from that and and kind of take the the work that you had done, looking you know digging deep into the to DMS and and psychoanalytics to uh, the rollout of of XDB. Well, um, when I was in Australia, I had um, the the managing director there come to me um, a few months a few months after I was working there, and he said so. Uh, I had this idea. I want you to prototype and begin to describe a couple of um, just a couple of sentences into it. And I said, "Ah, yeah, okay, yeah, I've got that." And that's essentially what I'd been thinking about when I was in uh, at the customer. This unified view of, a, of an individual, everything they've been doing from an analytics perspective, and everything all the content they looked at, right? Which is now the X file. But he came to me and said that, and that was just an interesting confluence of uh, of needs that Sitecore product was looking to have that built. And I had went to Sitecore to actually do that. I said, well, yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know, at that point, I was a solution architect. So uh, the model there is to, to, to bill you out as much as possible. And I said, well, yeah, you have to put me on the bench because I just need to focus on this. And so a few weeks later, I built a prototype. We did a few iterations over that to sort of refine the prototype itself. Um, and, and going through that, you begin to look into the APIs of the, the, the DMS at that point and... and um, like I said before, they, they really weren't as accessible to actually easily get to the data of an individual. They existed, but they had all these constraints in them. Um, uh, to put it uh, frankly, I mean, they, they were not friendly, um, and they weren't they weren't designed that way. And, that, and that's okay because originally, um, what I found out later on, I started dug deep into the guys who originally designed the DMS, just doing a little bit of historical research as to why it led that way. Um, uh-huh. uh, what came out of it was they designed it to be a tracker for what you did on the website, not a profile system, right? Sure. It was all about just building aggregate analytics, which is, which is why it made it difficult to build what um, the, the individual view of the customer. So, um, so yeah, so then we, um, from there, there happened to be an internal tech summit that Cycle used to host where they'd invite all the technical people from around the world. And they, they invited us to, to Roskilde in Denmark. And uh, the, the trip, it was a three-day business trip to Roskilde from Australia. So it's like 20-something hours of flying. Yeah, like two days of that is actually yeah. okay, I would guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was, it was a bit hectic. Um, I still recall that. Like, okay, you, you want me to fly to Europe? And they, they asked me to present this, this, this prototype. Um, at that point, I'd call it Sintel for customer intelligence. Um, and so I, I presented that uh, to uh, the tech audience. And uh, after that, it... it a uh, product um, was really quite interested in it, um, and they wanted to, um, they wanted me to build it. Um, so uh, I recall one of the internal product guys, Yepe, um, come over to me with this sort of I didn't know him at the time. Is you have to know Yepe to, to 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 follow this expression, but he's walk over kind of serious. He's a little tall, and he, his eyes forward at me, um, looking downwards. And he's like, 
um, asked me this litany of questions. And I'm like, yes, no, yes, yes, no. This is how this works. Yes, no, yes. He said, okay, great. And just walks off. And I'm like, I don't know what that was about. I have no clue who that guy was. Well, it turns out he was running product at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that went, that went really well. It was a good time there. And then um, we, uh, we decided to stay in, in uh, Europe a few more days, make it worth the, the sleep deprivation we were experiencing with that long flight. And when I, when I got back, um, uh, the managing director at the time came over and said, look, they want you to move to Denmark um, to, uh, to build this. And I had been in Australia at that point. I just moved there, um, and it had been somewhere I wanted to live for a long time. And I'd only been there maybe, I think, seven months. Like, I was just really starting to get sort of into the swing of things and build, you know, build a community and whatnot. Um, and they, they put that in front of me. So we had the conversation, and, you know, uh, shortly after that, I'm on a plane to Denmark to go build. Um, at that point, was just the experience profile. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that that's kind of the where where XDB came from, and I think the 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 main reason I kind of wanted to get you on the podcast is I, I in talking with folks now you know we've seen XDB come out, and then with the release of Psycho version nine, we we get XConnect, which is you know kind of a, a, a um. I, I can let you explain it better, but it's, it's almost, you know, XDB was kind of the first, let's, let's have a storage system for storing all of this data. So, well, as you said, like kind yeah. of the, the, that profile information as opposed to just like web tracker information. Well, well, actually, actually, if I may, um, XDB came from, it is, it is as you describe it. Um, the version that came out with the seven series and, and, and that's what the eight series, um, was also uh, based on the DMS's code base uh, with upgrades. Uh, mm-hmm. The original, the original intent there, they were working to make the DMS scalable. Uh, this is no secret that the DMS didn't scale um, as it needed to, right? And that's where they came up with this new architecture. Um, this is this is uh, this was being built just as I arrived into Denmark to build the experience profile on top of this on top of what they were building. The original mm-hmm. team. Um, but originally it was called a DMS scalability project. Um, it okay. evolved into XDB, which I'll get to in a minute, but, um, that's when they introduced the, um, local session collection on the, in the, in the CD servers where you had scaled CD servers across the world. And then yep. pe- periodically it would collect and push that back to a central store, which was at that point Mongo. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I remember yeah. I worked on a, I mean, it had to have been 6.5 website. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we were running on virtualized hardware and I think it was, you know, as a point where the, the customer is like, Oh, we want to start using analytics and we, we turned that on. And even though it was, you know, it, it was technically hitting a, a different virtual machine for that SQL server. Um, that SQL server generated so much disk traffic that it took the entire you know, the host system that the virtual environment was running on down. So yeah, there was some kind of serious, especially on a site that generated a lot of traffic. If you're writing, you know, all that analytics data out there. Yeah. 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 It was being written to at the, at the load of every page. Um, uh, the analytics would be collected. They put some, they put some tweaks in place. Uh-huh. Um, I haven't dig back in my memory, but they put some tweaks in place that allowed you to cash up so many before it was flushed to SQL. Yeah. But, but on those super high traffic sites, it just wouldn't, wouldn't scale. And also when you get, you know, just, you know, distribution problems where you wanted to run CD service all over the world, but you wanted a central place to do reporting that that wouldn't work on that, on that version. Yeah. So a lot of that led to what was called a, a, a project to, to scale the DMS. And that's what, that's what led to the introduction of Mongo. Their requirements at that point they were working with were very specific scale the DMS. 
interestingly enough, uh, during that project, um, I had finished. Um, sorry, I want to make sure I'm answering the question correctly. Is it is yeah. it how I, I found myself in sort of this position doing this, or is it how XDAC and XDB came about? Well, yeah, I think it was a, a little or, bit of both. Or I, yes, I we, we kinda, <laughs> yeah, I, I think kind of got a background of of how how you kind of came up with the idea for this this unified profile. Um, oh, yeah. how, uh, you know, I guess moving, moving forward, forward now, you know, trying to to come up to modern day, you know, we we yeah, we, yeah. we you know through the through the seven series and and version eight versions, we we had XDB. Um, which yeah. you know, it kind of had its own genesis. Then, like you said, it was it was. I, I remember when it was when it was launched. A lot of people are like, "Oh, Mongo, that's um, you know, that's that's different." You know, it's, 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 <laughs> you put it nicely. Yeah, I that's mean, was, different. Like, there was more than one customer was like, I, "What is that? That's yeah. uh, some weird open source thing." And yeah, and, yeah. and uh, and then there was just even more to it than that of of, of relying. You know, the the for folks that don't kind of understand how analytics work, that you know, I was describing that the issue we had where we we enable analytics and it is just it's it's trying to write all of this tracking data to disk and like we literally hammered that disk. I remember, you know, I think we were hosted at Rackspace and I was on the phone with a disk engineer, somebody that was, you know, could could dive into the the disk subsystem and all that and like you're just outstripping the IO capacities of your of your disk subsystem here. Like we need to upgrade that. So um, so one of the things that you mentioned in that scalability is, is so a lot of that data, instead of writing to it on every page view and making that, um, you know, become a choke point, you guys start writing that information in memory, which also, you know, as you, as you mentioned, kind of has the ability to scale uh, in geo, geolocated. Yeah. They started, they, they were, they basically, when they changed the architecture, it was based on, um, uh, the content delivery cluster had the ability to collect, um, information at the end of each page uh life cycle yep and that could be basically that was asp.net session it was tightly bound to asp.net session so whatever provider you put in there would work whether it be mongo or or redis or or um or sql or whatever implementation you did uh-huh. um so that kept the calls local to a cluster and then you could if you need if you had started having disk io issues um um, you could spin up another cluster, even in the same geo, even in the same location. So, let's say in uh, the, the west coast um, of the U.S., um, you could spin up multiple clusters, multiple CD clusters in the same data center um, if you had enough traffic. Um, and then uh, periodically, basically, whenever the session was uh, when it was abandoned from ASP.NET, at that point, it would push it back to the Mongo store, and that could yep. be wherever you put it. That way, the, the the rights it was it was more chatty locally, and then one big push at the end of the end of the session, um, back to the central store. Um, and once one side note on the on the, unif- on the unified profile bit, um, that was actually a, a unique confluence of 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 ideas starting to I think really come up in the market, but also or definitely at Sitecore, um, mm-hmm. uh, but also come up in the market because uh, me joining in. Me having the idea when I was working as a customer for Sitecore, then joining Sitecore when I got there, um, and, and I began to build a prototype around it. There were a lot of people, yeah, they had already started to look at that from a product marketing standpoint. So it was just an interesting confluence that it all lined up that way, timing wise. Um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, going back to the whole XDB thing, uh, during that uh, that project while they were working while they were working to scale it, as you know, how fast markets move and how companies have to keep up with everything going on. Uh, they relabeled what was DMS to the experience database. 
Right. Sure. And, and this is where the XConnect story starts to come in to sort of land that, that, that original question you had. Well, while they were working to scale that, um, at that point, they wanted to ship eight. And during that project, you have a set of, you have a, you have a design uh, in the eight series, which um, was the, the premise for the architects at that point was uh, to, to make this thing scale, uh, not to change the internal schema, not to collect what, what I would call an experience, but to collect web traffic, right? Uh-huh. And then you have this, uh, this label, um, this product positioning in that is an experience database. And to be fair, you can do that, right? The internal schema was, was really web-based. It had page visits and page views. I had talked about this before publicly. Um, and you still see that in the 8 series now. But for me, an experience is a zombie channel, right? It's an individual who did something on their mobile device, did something in your building, in your store, they made a purchase, or they did something on the website. And the collection of those interactions or those visits, whatever you want to call them, that in and of itself, in and of itself, can constitute an experience. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, so when they shipped eight, I was asked to join just for they were shipping eight to to join um, and contribute to that because I'd finished the work on the experience profile, um, and so I came into that um, that that those parts around eight uh, around shipping eight pretty late, but to help help our code to make it to get eight out the door, that led to a lot of late nights. Shipping eight, that was quite an experience for Psychor. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard stories from folks. Yeah. Yeah. Once eight shipped at that point, I looked at the, the disparity between, um, what we call an experience and what the market needs in terms of like IOT and, um, what happens in the real world. And, and my, my background in terms of software architecture is, is heavily influenced by Eric Evans' work, Domain Driven Design. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I presume you're familiar with that. Maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe for, for listeners that aren't as experienced, you know, if just a quick I don't know, elevator pitch of, of, of what his, uh, what his work entails. Yeah. So, um, well, I won't try to encapsulate this guy's work and it's, it's really quite phenomenal, but I will, sure. um, describe the, the pits needed for, for, for what we're describing here. Uh, I was fortunate enough to take a class with him. Uh, he actually ran the class when I was working, uh, when I was living in, uh, or working in the previous company. They hosted a class and it was really, really fundamental because essentially domain driven design is about um, designing the, the software to match the actual business domain. This is really well known now. You see it talked about in software industry now, uh, but uh, some time ago, it, it really was not a, it was a well known concept, but it really wasn't used as much. And, I, and now I look at APIs and I look at the design of all these new things coming out. Um, and they generally match that. So in a nutshell, it's, it's about matching terminology, the internal structures of the software to what the actual business domain is so that your API becomes more fluent. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, that's definitely not a comprehensive definition. You can go to his, <laughs> look up his work for that or read his book. Yeah, um, we'll get some links to that yeah. for, for folks that are interested. So, um, so, so for me, I was, that, that had a big impression on me because um, obviously code is, uh, it is a language, right, that you use to accomplish some particular task, much like we use English to convey a meaning of something or whatever language you speak. Um, so looking at the disparity between the, the internal APIs and um, how they were um, all kind of bound together, because recall they were based on the, the web tracker and uh, tracking and building aggregate analytics, not individual work and also definitely not integration from multiple um, systems. So the problem I'm talking about there is is um, one of the things I, I saw quite a bit in the field uh, when I was in Australia and you also heard it talked about within the internal psych core solution architect discussions was integration. Um, 
people have all these different data silos. This is a common thing known today in any sort of experience platform. Um, mm-hmm. um, but that's just another gap that you had when the, with the 8 series, um, which to be clear, you can do this, but it wasn't designed for it. So you ran into a lot of issues. And that was integrate a lot of data into it and make it your platform for collecting and serving personalized experiences. There were issues such as if the contact was on the website, you couldn't import data about the contact, etc. I won't go through those again. Um, sure, sure. But um, that disparity is, is what it, really the thing that sort of uh, I wanted to solve, which was to build a unified API for interacting with contact data, um, collecting it, searching it, um, extending it, modeling that. Because as, as you can imagine, in Sitecore being a developer platform in its roots, you have to be able to think in terms of um, how can I plug in the parts that I need and then leave the rest of Sitecore to run as it does, right? Yeah. And I think, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting at something that I think is important. And I, and I think as we get into where XConnect came from is up until this point, it was, it was looked at like analytics or just you know, website analytics. So, you know, what, you know, what, what, what more would I need? And I think even today I deal with customers that look at it like, Hey, you know, I've got Google analytics or I've got Omniture or something like, why, why do I, you know, I'm just going to completely shut off the Sitecore analytics. And then they don't realize all the other stuff that you're kind of, you're kind of coming at from the, the edge of you, you've, can not only um, you can not only collect information on the website, but you're collecting offline information. You're collecting, you know, maybe you have a, 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 a customer relation management system in place where you're collecting information as, as, as your customers call into a call center. Yeah, that's or, that's right. Or, that's right. Yeah, point of sale and all that, and that now you the. the and, and I, I probably should let you kind of talk about it, but like XConnect is. Really, um, kind of decouples that from the CMS. You know, kind of where it started with OMS being so tightly coupled. Now, uh, XConnect is is removed all of that from being so coupled to the the CMS that you can store more than just kind of web data of which page which pages did people visit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I'll I'll just add to that. Um, just to just to reset, like I said, with my sort of being heavily influenced by the concept of domain-driven design and seeing the gaps in what an actual experience is to call this thing an experience database, and the fact that, um, as you said, you want to be able to collect from your call centers and all of your other systems, and then let's also add to the fact that companies um, who who buy Sitecore um, and who and who who will do the implementation of say something like. Um, uh, the experience database, they often have existing systems in play, right? And those systems are the master record. It's not XDB being the master record, right? But those systems are, are not designed for the onslaught of web traffic for, for um, all the different devices, say Amazon's Alexa um, mm-hmm. or your mobile devices, right? To, to serve personalized experiences, they're not designed for that. And usually operationally, the staff that manages those and who, who built a mental model around what the system actually does, those things are not designed for web traffic. This is normally the case, right? When you look at, at, at well-established companies, my original intent when we introduced XConnect was a platform that, as you said, was separate from the CMS, could even be installed separately from the CMS. That was up to Sitecore's um, product marketing and, and business side to figure out how they wanted to actually position it. That's, that's their call. But uh, for me, as, mm-hmm. as uh, with my architect hat on, is to separate that so you can run it separately, scale it separately, and and um, have a unified API for interacting with all your contact data. 
right? Push data into from all these different backend systems and then run analytics over that or run algorithms over that so that I can serve up a, a personalized experience on whatever channel I want, right? Sure. With or without the CMS. So, um, uh, right around the time eight shipped, uh, I pitched for a position to take a product manager role. Uh, as a side note, I'm actually not a product manager at heart. It's not really what I do. I'm more of a, <laughs> Uh, like to build things, um, and and that's not to say product managers can't do that. It's just a matter of the, the expectations of the role, or, or you're not building things. You're well managing. Uh, so I pitched for the role, which was uh, I'll build X Connect, but not just X Connect. I'll, I also want to uh, evolve the entire analytics platform we have at Sitecore, um, and that's where um, we introduce X Connect. But we also we introduce all these other services. We also to to. to to, to integrate XConnect, we also needed to rebuild market automation. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's no secret that the, the market automation on eight doesn't really cover all the use cases that's expected of a market automation tool. This is a known thing. Uh-huh. Um, and if you don't know it, the moment you use it on eight, you'll run into it. So, um, so we, we need to rebuild market automation so that it actually worked omni channel as well. Um, and then we also had to introduce, um, uh, search features that allowed you to look through all the data you had. Um, around individuals, um, along with uh, shoring up the API so that um, certain call sequences were highly, highly performant, um, and you could tune how much data you retrieved about a contact. And then in addition to that, um, as I mentioned uh, several times, uh, uh, the original platform was built around this web tracker and collecting aggregate analytics. So we also had to start to break all of that apart into separate APIs, which is another aspect of domain-driven design where you've got these different components. And that's very normal software architecture. But for me, it was about following those principles as closely as, as I could um, with the teams and while staying within all of the other business constraints, you know, the budget, the, the timing, the, the market demands, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So that, that's kind of a long story as to how it, um, uh, I found myself working in XConnect and bringing the platform to, to what um, at the, my point of leaving was XPF. Um, so the Experience Platform Foundation, which included all of these different components, XConnect being a primary one that's talked about, but there's other ones in there. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, I can uh, speak on behalf of the listeners. I think it's, it's, it's fascinating to kind of hear the genesis of these, especially myself being involved with the platform back in when OMS was, you know, was, was first announced and, and released and then watching, you know, that kind of get rebranded into DMS and then through the years seeing all that, that, the analytics. And then finally, you know, kind of hearing, I think it was you guys were kind of talking about XConnect. Uh, it was coming. Um, and then to actually see that come to fruition and see some, you know, some, some pretty decent demos. And, you know, it's, it's always a challenge for, for a product company to, you know, to demo the product and come up with a, with a, a useful situation. But I, you know, I think, I, th- I think back to a couple of the keynotes where they, you know, they show somebody at a point of sale system and seeing something on, um, you know, and getting a, a push notification via an application after they've, you know, browsed the website for something. So you, you get that, you get that real sort of omni channel experience, which, you know, for, for a demo, a lot of times feels contrived, but it, it, you have to, uh, you, you, you also only have the, you know, the, the 45 minutes or so of a keynote to, to get the whole, <laughs> yeah. the, the whole point across, but it's, it's, it's yeah. interesting. And walking customers through that is, is just kind of their, you know, their first inclination is, yeah, I want to connect my CRM. You know, we've got a CRM project underway. Let's connect the two and we'll use XDB as the, the central store. I'm like, no, well, you know, really it's, you, you got to look at what data do you want to, 
come in, you know, because now with XConnect, you've got, a, 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 like you said, a standardized API to connect the two. And now you can connect these systems. Um, and I, I thought the, the interesting, you know, part of that, uh, especially when I, I believe it was yourself kind of demoing XConnect around launch is that the, the CMS is, is a first class citizen using these APIs. It's not, you know, it's not using the old tracking information. It's actually connecting to XConnect through the very same APIs that you as a, as a developer wanting to, you know, I don't know, connect it to your, yeah, uh, yeah, your CRM. It's, yeah. It's, it's a first class citizen using that service because it's not part of the CMS anymore. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, when we, um, when we, uh, started to, to, to prototype X connect. Um, this is before, um, um, I had a, I had a team to work with. Um, uh, it was myself and, um, uh, David Morrison and, and Nils Kunal. Well, this is, um, uh, we started to prototype X connect itself and we wanted to establish a lot of just the, the, the rough edges of the architecture, uh, while we were maintaining the eight series and, and that launch was going on. So one of the first things we did was let's build the API layer, um, just a rough one. And then let's connect that directly into the existing web tracker because the web tracker has a lot of history. It's, it's, um, interestingly enough, it's a very complex piece of, uh, mechanics, uh, which mm-hmm. maybe trackers today, because there's so many out there, as you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, would look at that like, Oh, wow, that's really complex, but it was built, uh, and, and evolved over a lot of time. Uh, and it was built in the site core way, which means you could plug it in all these different places, but you also had to be concerned with the calculations coming out of it and everything. Um, so, uh, the, uh, to, to make the point, that's the first thing we attacked, which was, okay, let's build, um, this thin X connect layer. Let's plug it into the tracker to see that we can actually collect. And it seems like an obvious question and uh, an obvious answer. Yes, you can collect, but you know, you have to go through the paces to do it. Um, and uh, the reason for that was, um, we wanted to ensure that the APIs that Sitecore is using, uh, being a developer platform, uh, were the same APIs that the industry, that the ecosystem would use, right? There's nothing hidden in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's hidden, it's just because mm-hmm. there hasn't been time to document it. Um, as we said, the goal there was this um, platform that allowed you to, um, to plug in data from all these different places. And the interesting thing was um, we were requested to use uh, SQL as a provider. And um, <laughs> not not allowed to say that out loud uh, until we announced it uh, because of, of business reasons, and that was one of those sort of. It, uh, my guess is that it became one of those worst kept secrets. Sort of like you're talking about it and you're talking around it, and like you know, uh, uh, all, all of all of our team were all talking about it, but uh, some of the team members are like, "Hey, I'm going to present at this conference. Can I talk about this? This?" And it's like, "No, you can't talk about SQL." Um, but then how do I talk about this? I'm like, well, you have to look, be a little tap dance, won't you? Because it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, that's the, it's a business decision to keep that private until we announce it. When I think it was, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that was, you know, if from the outside looking in, I think it, it would make sense from a, from a marketing standpoint. Exactly. You know, exactly. You, know you, you get a lot of companies that will select Sitecore because they're, they're heavily tied to that, you know, that .NET platform. And so they're, they're all in on SQL Server and they're all in on IAS. And now, you know, you've got uh, this, this external technology that they may not have, you know, their, their DBAs aren't familiar with it. So that's, uh, that's actually a really good point. I mean, that's, that was one of the pain points that you've got all these, um, operations internally that are, are well maintained and well established. People know how to maintain people. It's expensive, it's expensive to take on a new platform like that internally. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I, I I've had at least a couple of customers be, you know, very very excited to to look at it. You know, the, to know that Mongo is not uh, not a requirement anymore. Yes, it's, I mean they're they're large they're large enterprises. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So we, now we we kind of like I'll, I'll, this entire discussion now has been you know if it hasn't been obvious to the the listener, there's we've been speaking very much in the past tense. So this mm. is kind of a, a former life of yours, um, and <laughs> yeah, you, you since. This year left Sycor. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're up to now? Yeah. So um, uh, three of us um, uh, left Sycor, uh, myself, Alex Sheba, and Lars Peterson, uh, to form our own our own company uh, named Altola. Our focus is, I guess, in a nutshell, bringing uh, our knowledge to the Sycor platform and our experience building the platform over the past, I don't know, what is that? I don't know. Uh, let's just say 10 plus years. I think Alex was there for maybe 13 years. Yeah. Um, I talked to Alex. It was, yeah, it was definitely in the, in the mid teens. Yeah, exactly. And I think Lars was there just as long or very close to that. I can't recall, but anyway, so our focus is, is, is as a, um, I guess as a boutique agency is to bring the power of Sitecore and personalization to bear. Right. Uh, we, we, we spend a lot of time at Sitecore building this platform and, and there's a lot of features and a lot of things that people uh, don't really use. So, uh, we work with Sycor partners and 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 also customers to help bring those features full on. And I think there's a there's a number of reasons people don't use them either. A lot of times they're like, I don't I don't know how to use this. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, definitely. You definitely. Know, like I, I so I sat through that that keynote and that looks really cool, but I'm not a you know I don't have point of sale systems and I you know I I only do this this type of business. I don't know, you know that that seems interesting. I don't know how to apply it to my business. So. It, I think like you guys are probably filling a huge hole in the market of, you know, how, how do we use these technologies? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the nice things is um, we're, we're quite happy because we all bring a different skill set, the platform. Uh-huh. So, so let's say for instance, while I, I bring uh, this, this data side and this uh, integration and sort of architecture side of things, that's just, you know, a fraction of the picture. Lars brings all the personalization and marketing experience that, he, uh, uh, he's built over the years. And then um, uh, the other thing we do here is also uh, modules. Uh, module is actually probably not a strong enough name because a module sounds like it's a small thing, but um, your listeners may or may not have seen some videos we've done um, that we've actually got them on YouTube of some modules we're building that bring a different way of visualizing all of the data that you collect in Sitecore. For instance, one is, um, is Optimus, which is basically um, allows you to using the existing experience analytics API. So the install is very, very light, allows you to get a very quick view of which pages you need to optimize on your website. Um, I'm not going to try to describe too much more over, over an audio call. It's really sure. better to see the video. Sure. Uh, from there, you can, you can quickly see um, how pages are performing relative to each other. And it builds a quadrant or sorry, um, a, a matrix that has four quadrants in it that allows you to see uh, which ones you need to drive more traffic to and which ones you need to drive, um, get more value out of by adding personalization. And from that, you can actually click into the details of the page and you get these miniature dashboards on the page that tell you uh, what's changed on the page relative to your value and visits of that page. You can actually see this over time. So it's a, it's a different way of, of visualizing the data that's been collected in Sitecore. And from a technology standpoint, we're using in that specific product, D3 and React. So 
super, super fast load, uh, really nice visualizations that allow you to zoom, pan, and scroll and everything using B3. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get links to those, uh, those demo videos up yeah. in the show notes. If, you know, definitely if you're out driving or, or you know, somewhere, uh, definitely bookmark them for, for later viewing. It's, it's, it's worth checking out. You mean you don't want them to watch it on, watch this on their dashboard in the car? Why they're- <laughs> yeah, please don't. Please don't. I don't want to be responsible for any accidents. So. But Todd, this has been a great conversation. I, uh, again, on behalf of the listeners, I, uh, it's, it's always fun to kind of hear what was the genesis of, of, of such a key technology that we, you know, we use in our lives every day. So, uh, th- thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for Derek for having me and being patient while we, uh, got our schedules lined up. Yeah, yeah. So if 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 folks want to find out more about uh, yourself and um and, and your company, what are what are good ways to uh, find you online? Um, actually, the easiest thing is just to go to altola dot co, and uh, uh-huh. we've got quite a bit of information there. Sounds good. Well, Todd, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Derek. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.